Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring our message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church, and welcome. We are so excited that you're here today. If you'll stand and join us, I just have this scripture that I wanted to share with you. It's out of Psalm 145, and it says, I will exalt you, my God and King. Praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. And guys, that, what that verse is saying is that no matter what, God is worthy of praise. In the lowest of lows, God is worthy of praise. In the highest of highs, God is worthy of praise. In the midst of the battle, He is worthy of praise. In the midst of my peace, He is worthy of praise. Praise isn't some kind of religious things, it's what He deserves. Okay, so this morning, would you just pray with, pray with me, Jesus. God, I know that we have some stuff, but I just pray that you would feel our hearts, God, that we would have this connection with you. God, would you feel just so honored and glorified in this place because you are worthy to be praised. So we just give you everything in Jesus' name, amen.
Yeah. 
And so if there's something that we're facing right now, we have the authority to bring it to God and to ask him to intervene. So let's take a moment right now. God, you know what each one of us is facing. You know the wall that's standing in front of us. And we ask right now in the powerful name of Jesus that you would tear that wall down, that you would bring the restoration in the relationship that's needed. You'd bring the miracle in the health that's needed. You turn the finances around. God, you would do that thing that we are holding in our hearts right now, that you would intervene in that way. And in Jesus' name, we ask for a breakthrough for every single person that's holding that request in their heart right now. Jesus, give them the breakthrough in your name for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, church family. If you would, turn, greet one another, and make your way to your seats. If you're joining us online, we'd love to extend a very special welcome. We're so glad you're with us. If you would, put in the chat where you're watching from. Also, if you have a prayer request, feel free to make that. I'm using the prayer request button or put it in the chat. And people will just know to pray for you and they'll pray for you throughout the week. We're just glad that you're watching um, wherever you're watching from. If you are a guest or a visitor here at Fellowship Church, we'd love to extend a very special welcome to you. Following this morning's service, um, you can stop by the information counter and let us know that you're a visitor. And we will um, give you a gift card to go to the bookstore, get a little information about you. But if you're online or watching this at a later time, or um, if you, you're not the kind of person that wants to make yourself known in person, all you have to do is text the word fellowship to the number 94,000 and they will um, lead you through a quick series of prompts that will put you in touch with one of the pastors and eventually we'll get an opportunity to answer all the questions you might have about the church and we'll get to know you a little bit better and help you find your spot within the church family. Um, if you're here and you're thinking it's a new year, I want to figure out how to grow in my relationship with Christ, but I'm not sure what my next step would be. If that's ever the case, at any time, stop by the East Pergola and just let us know that you're kind of looking for your next step in Christ. They'll get to know you a little bit, ask you a few questions, and then give you a suggestion as to what your next step might be to grow in your relationship with God. As I was praying about what would the Lord have me to say this morning to all of you beautiful people, um, he put in my heart a parable that Jesus told, and it's found in Luke chapter 10. And it's famously known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But in a quick nutshell, what happens is there's a person, and they're walking along the road from one city to another, and on the course of that road, they are attacked by thieves and robbers, and they're beat up physically and robbed and stripped of their belongings, and they're kind of left desolate on the side of the road um, with nothing and no clothing and no um, resources to, to help themselves and physically um, beaten down. And three people happen upon this individual, and the first two people do nothing. And I've thought about, like, why is it that they did nothing? Is it that they couldn't afford to do anything? Were they really, truly so busy that they couldn't take time to do anything? But I think most likely they passed him by because they thought someone else would do something. They're like, oh, this guy won't lay here for long. Someone will come along that's better equipped, more qualified, better resourced to actually help this person. And so the two people pass him by. But the third person, who happened to be a Samaritan, um, which was the hated race at that time by the people of Israel, he came along, so he's the unlikely character. He sees the man that's been beaten and left on the side of the road, takes an interest in him, takes him up, brings him to the nearest town, nurses his wounds, um, and then puts him up in a hotel and promises, or the innkeeper says to the innkeeper, here's some money. So he gives money, he gives time and effort, and he says, if he, if he costs any more than the money I'm leaving you, I'll pay you the next time I'm through town. And so he goes on his way. So this third person, he decides, you know what, it's not someone else's job, it's my job. I'm going to get involved by serving, and I'm also going to get involved by giving. And what's surprising to a lot of people is that in church, we have those same three groups of people. We have people that say, someone else will serve and someone else will give. I'm going to pass this chance by. And then there's the group of people that says, I'm going to get involved in the serving and the giving within the local church. Did you know that statistically 80% of a church family does not serve and does not tithe? 
only 20% get involved in tithing, which literally means a tenth of their income, and serving within the local church. And every time that statistic kind of rises to the forefront of the conversation, I think people are shocked. They think, well, I thought it was the exact opposite. I thought 80% of people were serving and 80% of people were giving and tithing. And the, the truth is that it's a minority of persons. And I want to put that out there because both of those people that walked by the Good Samaritan, they could have been the one, the one that God used, the one that the story is told about to change the other person's life and the trajectory of their life. But they thought, no, 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 I'm not going to get involved financially and I'm not going to get involved with my time. That's going to cost me too much somehow. But here we are thousands of years later and who are we talking about? The guy who got his hands dirty, the guy who opened up his wallet and said, I'm going to get involved in the kingdom work of God, taking care of the people around me. So I want to challenge you with that as we start out this new year and pray that God will bless each one in this room. God, we know, we know we should get involved, but sometimes we have a lot of reasons that we're afraid to or resistant to it. And so we pray that this year that you would soften our hearts to what matters to you. That we would find an opportunity to involve ourselves in your kingdom work with our time as well as with our money and our resources. And that when we do, God, that that story will be told for your glory for years and generations to come. And we ask, Lord, that you would financially bless each person in this room, that you would provide for them. If they're on commission sales, God, that you would help them to have an incredible month. If they're struggling financially and they're not getting enough hours at work, God, that you would, you would just supernaturally bring resources into our lives. And not only that, God, but you would cause the things that could break down and cost us more money to just not break down. And that our things that we have would work better and last longer. And that we would have enough within each one of our family units. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, January is a huge time of year around the church. We have our Adult Ministry Expo that is really awesome. An opportunity for every adult to get involved in a next step to grow their faith. But I'll let Pastor Will tell you all about it. Today starts our first Sunday in the sermon series entitled Reframe. These next few weeks you will not want to miss as we learn how we can reframe different parts of our lives, from our thinking to our contentment. So invite someone to church during this series as we believe God is going to do something special here. For the next two Sundays, we're hosting our Adult Ministries Expo in the west end of the lobby. This is a place where you can meet the leaders and teachers, get more information, and sign up for the groups and classes that we're offering here in the next few weeks. Some of the opportunities that you can sign up for at that expo include the Divorce Care Group, as well as Financial Peace University, and a brand new class called Christian Life Hacks. Two of those opportunities I want to highlight today is Rooted and Spiritual Warfare. Now, Rooted has been a part of our ministry for years now and continues to provide a safe place to learn about the Bible, grow in your faith, and find community with others in a similar age and stage of life. Rooted has touched the hearts of so many people. Here is one of their stories. We are Russ and Carrie Knight, and we had the pleasure of hosting a rooted group. My rooted experience was more fulfilling than I thought, because I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how it would unfold. And what I learned very quickly, they spoke into my life. A few of them were, were there, and they weren't really sure they were excited to be there. By the end, they just, they didn't want it to end. And so that was one of my favorite parts of rooted, is to watch how God works in us when we focus on him. God can move through Rooted in innumerable ways. I mean, there's lots of ways that happens, but we peel back the layers. You know, the first time we meet, everyone's guarded. And by the end of the second meeting, you're very relaxed. You can speak to what did this week's reading say to me and how does that relate to my life and how, how has it played out in my life previously? It's tremendous. A place for people who have just started walking with the Lord, also for people who um, have been coming to church for years and just been a little nervous about stepping into a group, um, and also for people who aren't really sure if they believe in Jesus. I think it allows us to ask questions, to be open and honest, and um, just start learning who God is. Experiences like this are so common with those that have completed Rooted. This course will start on January 22nd at 9 a.m. and cost $25. In addition to a workbook, coffee and snacks will be provided for the duration of the course. 
Another course I want to highlight at the Expo is one of the most commonly requested curriculums that we've ever done, and it's Spiritual Warfare 1.0. Coming up on February 10th and 11th, we're offering this amazing curriculum as a weekend seminar. So join Pastor Tim and learn how God brings us freedom from the spiritual strongholds of the enemy. The weekend seminar will start on Friday, February 10th. In addition to a course workbook, live Q&A, and digital resources, lunch will be provided on Saturday, February 11th. The cost for this seminar is $40. You can sign up at the Expo or on the Church Center app. As always, if you miss any of these announcements, visit fellowshipgj.com events. Now our praise team has worked on a special this week, and it's a type of song that really ministers to your soul. So sit back and soak in the lyrics of the song, Sound Mind.
Last week, we talked about things in our life that we need to get rid of, things that we should throw off according to Hebrews 12. And hopefully each one of us have, have thought of some things that we need to change, some things that we need to throw out of our lives. But here's the thing, we do that every year, right? I mean, don't we do that each January? I mean, for most of us, we make resolutions and we say, this needs to change or I need to make this move in my life or whatever. And many times we do it for the month of January. <laughs> we might make it to February, but it's hard. It's hard to make changes in our life and it's hard not to fall back on old habits. Now, deep down, we don't like the effects of sin in our life because a lot of times the things that we need to change are sinful habits, things that we do that we know that we shouldn't do. We don't like the effects in our life, but the truth is, is that a lot of times sin feels good. Sin is an escape. And when stresses and life and anxiety hits us, we will run many times to sinful things because they bring us pleasure for a moment but then we're left with guilt and shame. Especially guilt and shame when we make those same mistakes that we've made over and over again. And guilt and shame is awful. I mean, there's nothing that will tear us down. There's nothing that will make us feel worse about ourselves than guilt and shame. So how do we make sure that we're successful? Like, how do we make sure that 2023 really is gonna be different and we really are gonna make changes and we are really are gonna get this sinful nature that, that we are born with, how do we keep that in check and, and from a, allowing us to make things in our life more important that they, than they should be? Well, just like Pastor Sean said last week in the first service of the year, which I hope you guys got to see that, uh, he talked about the fact if there's gonna be change, we have to have a plan. There has to be a plan. And a lot of times we have a plan, but the plan doesn't work. Or we have a plan and the plan is something that we can't stick to. But scripture is so clear when it comes to uh, how to do things and how to do things successfully in our life. Now we have read probably this passage of scripture in James, James chapter four, verse seven, a thousand times. But have we really understood it? Have we really dissected it? And it's that famous scripture that says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, when I read that scripture, when we've read that scripture in the past, and I hear people quoting it this way all the time, they're like, resist the devil and he will flee. I'm gonna resist him. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna resist him. And if I resist hard enough, he'll flee. But we forget about the first part of that scripture. Submit yourself then to God. So we have to submit first. So I wanna get really practical this morning on a plan that will help us be successful in this new year and maybe make this year different than any of the other years where we've made resolutions in the past. The first thing we must do according to the scripture is submit, submit to God. But you know what, we can read that scripture and we can go, okay, well, I've kind of always overlooked that part and just kind of jumped right to resist and he's supposed to leave. But okay, I'll read the first part. But what does that look like? How do I submit to God? What do I do to submit to him first? Well, here's what it looks like. The first thing we have to do is we have to walk in humility. We must walk in humility. And a few weeks ago, we talked about how do you do that? What are the ways that we can kind of walk in humility? Well, well, daily, we need to say, Lord, clothe me. Clothe me with humility. And we ask him to do that every day so that pride doesn't build up in our life. So we walk in humility. Second, seek God's will for your life and your situation. Whatever it is, if it's small, if it's large, if it's little things, if it's, you know, praying about making a decision as far as a purchase or making a decision about a relationship or making a decision about a crucial conversation that we need to have, we need to seek God's will. That's when we're seeking him, we're relying on him, we're submissive to him. Then we need to worship him. When we worship him, we're showing him worth. He's the most important thing in our life. And so that's why half of our services every week are just about and focused about worship. But we should just be worshiping on the weekend. That's something we should be doing on a daily basis. So get some really good playlists on your phone or, or use Spotify as a tool to worship God daily, even if it's just five minutes a day. Then we pray to him. That's another way we submit because that's showing God, we need you. 
I need to pray to you. I, 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 I'm showing you worth as far as worship. I also need you. So I'm gonna ask you for things. Then we serve him. We serve those that we submit to. When we, when we submit to each other in our marriage, part of that is we serve each other. And it's the same thing with the Lord. We're to serve him. We're to give to him. When we submit to him, we give to him. We give of tithes, we give of offerings, and then we obey him. We, let, we obey him. When he tells us to do something, we do it. When we read something in scripture that shows us what we should be doing, we, we do it. Now, what I want you to do is take out your smartphones right now. Have a smartphone, something you can take a picture of, take it, have something you can take a picture with, and I want you to take a picture of this screen. I'm gonna give you a second to do that. Guys, if you need help, ask your wives how to do this, okay? So take a picture of this. And as a reminder on a daily basis, ask yourselves that question. Oh, I forgot to, to ask God to clothe me in humility today. So clothe me in humility, Lord Jesus. But I'm gonna seek you today. I'm gonna worship you today. I'm, I'm gonna pray to you today. I'm gonna serve you somehow this week. I'm gonna give back to you somehow this month. I'm, and I'm gonna obey you. So that's, if we do those things, then we're on our way to being able to defeat the enemy in our life because we're submitted to God. We can't resist the devil or be successful against sin if we aren't submitted to him first. Now I wanna look at a story in, in the Bible where a guy has been super sinful He's made some major mistakes, but he finally decides, I'm going to submit. I'm gonna ask for forgiveness. I'm gonna get back in God's will. And these are the words of David after he sins with Bathsheba, after he basically manipulates a way for her, for her husband to die so, she can be, so he can be with her. And this is his words after he finally comes clean. And, we, and a lot of scholars believe it took him a year before he really, really asked for forgiveness. But when he finally does, these are the words he says, purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Have you ever felt like the devil has stolen your joy because of your choices? Has he ever done that to you? He did that, he did that to David. Verse nine, don't keep looking at my sins. So he's like, God, don't look, don't look at my sins anymore. R remove the stain of my guilt. He talks about guilt there. And, and guilt is like a stain that you, you can't get off of you. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. My heart's ugly, so you're just gonna have to renew it. You're gonna have to clean it. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and, and, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And the reason he says that is because he watched a mentor of his, a father figure, lose the Holy Spirit and what that did to him. He saw in Saul him lose the Holy Spirit. And he's like, God, I blew it. I blew it so bad. Please don't take your spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation. That joy you felt, man, the first time you realized you were saved and forgiven. Do you remember that joy? I was seven years old and I still remember how I felt when I received Christ. And I actually understood that he forgave my sins. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood. He, he committed murder. Forgive me, God, for, for committing murder. But most of us have never done that, hopefully, right? David committed murder. Oh God who saves, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that I may praise you. You would uh, be pleased with uh, sacrifices. Uh, you would not be pleased with sacrifices or I would bring them. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. So he's like, you know, I could bring you stuff. I have stuff, but that's not what you want. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, he says. A broken and repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise. David knows if he's gonna be successful against the enemy, he must submit first. And these words are a beautiful picture of how David finally submits. He finally gets back to where he needs to be. So submit first, then resist, then resist. How have you resist the devil in the past? Has it worked? I mean, I think we need to break this down as well. We need to understand that everything starts in the mind. 
James 1, 13 through 15 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So God, God, because God's not gonna tempt us for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires. Satan drags your thoughts away, doesn't he? You know when it happens because you get this thought and then all of, a, all of a sudden it gets a life of its own and you start going down this road of, of sinful behavior. Then after desire has conceived, verse 15, it gives birth to sin, it gives birth to sin. When it is full grown, gives birth to death. So where does our evil desires reside? In our mind. And our thoughts are drug away, according to the scripture, they're enticed, and then sin is born. And if left, will grow until it destroys us. Is that not the progression of sin? Is that not how it starts in our mind and it builds? Well, according to 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, the Bible says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we've established in the past that a stronghold is the lie that the devil has told you that you now believe. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we do this? I can't tell you how many times I've heard that, that the expression or the actual scripture that says, take that thought captive. When you think that way, take that thought captive and bring it under the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? How in the world do you do that? Well, let's break that down. We take the thought captive first by exposing it to the truth. So we gotta expose the lie. Second, we tear down the stronghold in Jesus' name. And then thirdly, we choose to think about something else. Take your smartphone back out. Take a picture. Some of you are already on it. Really proud of you. You already had your phone out. Take a picture of that. So when we start having these thoughts, we immediately should expose it to the truth. Expose it to the truth. Tear down the stronghold and then choose to think about something else. Now we're gonna break that down in just a second and give you an example how to do this. But what, what do we think about? Well, the Bible tells us. It tells us in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I pray that Jesus binds me to his mind every day and I quote this scripture. That's a part of thinking about the right thing. So I'm like, Lord, I pray that you just bind me to your mind and in Jesus' name and, and help me to think, well, whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, I pray where we think about such things. Use that scripture. Pray that daily. Start your day off with that and see how different your thought life is for the next 24 hours. But let's get even more applicable. Let's, let, let's give you an example of how to work through this process. And let's use the example of fear. We sing about God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. We sing that beautiful song or they, the, the praise team sang that beautiful song right before this message. But how do we do that? Well, we first of all, according to what we just said, we have to expose that lie to the truth. And the truth, as we've talked about in the past few weeks, is the word of God. It's the only truth. It is our anchor in the storm. So we expose it to the truth, which is the word of God. So we pray for God has not given me the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So when we start getting fearful, which we can all struggle with, we're fearful about our job. We're fearful about our income. We're fearful about what's going on in the world. We're fearful about our kids and the decisions they make. And, and so the devil loves to just dictate our life by fear. But when we realize and we expose that fear to the truth, which is, Hey, this doesn't come from God. He didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but we claim power, love, and self-discipline. We've exposed it to the truth. Then we tear down the stronghold. We tear down the lie. We say, we tear down the stronghold that is telling me that I should be fearful 
and we tear it down in Jesus' name. So super simple. I quote that scripture. And, and let me tell you, uh, technology is such a blessing at times. And when it comes to being able to pull up a, a Bible verse or, or, or a group of verses based on a theme, just Google it. It's amazing. If you'll just Google scriptures on why I should not fear, it'll give you 20 of them. And you just pray them right there on your smartphone, right there on your tablet, right there on whatever, whatever uh, piece of technology you have in your hands, use it for good. And then we tear down that stronghold in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, break the stronghold where I believe that I should be fearful. Demolish the stronghold where I believe that I should be fearful about my finances or whatever. And then you got to choose to think about something else. That's part of bringing it captive. You bring that thought captive. You stop dwelling on it. How many of you do this? You get a thought in your head, you get a worry or you get a fear and it just is on your mind all the time. I call this spinning. It's just spinning. It just spins in our mind and it spins in our mind and it spins in our mind to where before we know it, it's gotten way bigger than it really is. And we get freaked out about things that are not that big a deal, but we've made them bigger. The devil has made them bigger. So we have to choose not to spin but to think about something that's positive. So this is what we do. We redirect, we redirect our thoughts to something that is good. Think about an upcoming vacation that you're gonna get to take. Think about a past vacation that you maybe, maybe went on. Have, think about good memories. And here's another way that you can use your smartphone. Put, a, put an album in your pictures on your phone that has all has pictures that bring you joy. Maybe it is of a past vacation. Maybe it is of a vacation. Maybe it is pictures of you at Christmas. If you enjoyed your relatives, you wanna do that. If, if not, okay, I get it. But have this picture album because nothing will take you away quicker than visually looking at good times. Do that. Use that as a tool. Read a book. Find a book that you can just totally lose yourself in. Watch a funny movie. Go for a walk. Exercise. Go for a drive. Sometimes we just need to go for a drive and get our, our head clear. One of the things that I love to do if my mind is just not in a good place and, and maybe I'm, I'm feeling like, God, you know, I just feel so defeated right now and man, I just don't know what to do. I love to take my, jump in my car and I love to drive past homes that we used to live in. Now, for me, that works. I've been here for over 30 years. And so we've lived, lived in a few homes here in Grand Junction over the last few years. But, but I'll drive by that first home and man, I'll think about all the good times there. I'll think about the fact that we had Lindsay, our first child in that home. I, I think about uh, the, the, the dogs we had in that home and how we, how we used to play together in the yard and in the backyard. I, I go to the next house that we moved in and I, and I think about Madeline being born there. And I think about, well, I can visualize my kids and they're, they're riding around on their training wheels on, on, uh, on the driveway. I, I think about um, the Christmases that we had there, the good times we had there. And then I go, I can drive by the next house and I think about the, the, their teenage years. I think about them out in the cul-de-sac and having their friends over and, and playing uh, baseball out in the cul-de-sac. And, and before you know it, I'm thinking about all the things that God has done for us and how far God has brought us and the way that he's blessed us. And whatever was bothering me before is gone. So, we have to think about something positive. Expose it to the truth. Tear down the stronghold. Think about something else. That's how we bring those thoughts captive. But we have to set ourselves up for success. There's things that will trip us up and cause us to go back into that bad behavior if we're not careful. And the first thing that we have to do is we have to watch our idle time. Watch our idle time. Don't get bored. Guys, listen to me. Men, listen to me. You are not good if you're bored. You're, you're trouble if you get bored, right? Right? Wives are like, yeah, yep, I've been telling you that you don't get bored. Don't get bored. Stay productively busy. Don't just stay busy with busy work, but stay productively busy. I read this quote not too long ago, and I just love it. It's, it the quote says, people are like a flathead, flatbed truck. They run straighter under a load. So true. People are like a flatbed truck. They run straighter under a load. It's good to have projects. It's good to have, like 
have hobbies. It's good to have positive distractions in our life. Now, now know that when you do this, you can't trade vi one vice for another. You can't trade lust for being a workaholic. Okay, that, that's not healthy either. You can't become addicted to your hobby where that's all you're about. But guys, I'm telling you, ladies too, we need to figure things out that we can do recreationally that fill our tanks, that can bring about positive, uh, uh, positive attributes in our life, that we can get our mind off things. Man, whether it's gardening or it's, or it's uh, collecting comic books or, or, or reading or whatever it is, but we, we don't allow ourselves to have idle time. My grandmother's generation used to say, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. You ever hear that? That's true. It's, that's not in scripture, but it could be. My grandma was smart. Watch your idle time. Number two, be careful who you hang with. That's huge. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You hang with the wrong people, they're going to bring you down. And you need to evaluate your friendships from time to time. And you need to say, are good fruits coming from our relationship or not? Evaluate your time with family. Just because they're family doesn't mean that you need to be to spending a lot of time with them. And if there are some good things in your relationships and also some bad things, then just set up some safeguards to where the bad things are not a part of that relationship. When you come away with, from spending time with your friends, you should be uplifted. You should be filled up. It should be something that's super, super positive. If it's not, you may have to question your friendships. Number three, guard your five senses. Guard your sight, your touch. Guard what you hear. Guard what you smell and guard what you taste. The devil wants to infiltrate your mind and he loves to do it using your senses. Now, I've thought before, wouldn't it be nice if we could kind of walk around in a bubble? and God would just protect us from everything and we wouldn't have to have influences that affect our senses. We, we, we could just make sure that he, he, he keeps us from seeing things and hearing things that would maybe cause us issues. Well, I found this video and it's, this guy's really funny. He's a Christian comedian and he made a video uh, that kind of talks about being in a bubble for Christians. You love Uber, but always worried about the topics your driver may bring up? Enjoy the rides, but not that crazy about the music selection? Introducing Uber Christian, where custom dash cameras carefully monitor drivers to make sure they'll never swear, and radio filters ensure that K-Love is streaming at all times. With Uber Christian, you can now enjoy like-minded conversations with drivers who also prefer Fox News over CNN. And with complimentary water and breath mints, we'll make sure you travel feeling refreshed and uplifted. And your safety is always guaranteed as each ride includes prayer for traveling mercies and a hedge of protection. Believe in predestination? No seat belt required. At Uber Christian, our custom maps will even prompt detours to avoid potentially tempting situations like bars, nightclubs, and women jogging in yoga pants. Upon arrival, each driver will send you off with a side hug of encouragement. Then rate your driver based on fruits of the spirit. Finally, for the believer who doesn't want to be in the world or of it, Uber Christian. Love your ride? You can even tip your driver with an inspirational Bible verse. So live your best life now with Uber Christian. Also available, Uber Catholic. And coming soon to select markets, Uber Mormon. Well, we don't live in that world. So we've got to set up our own safeguards. We've got to be careful. And when it comes to our sight, you know, it's easy to be careful and understand we can be careful with our sight. We're just not watching things that we shouldn't watch. Scary movies, erotic images, traumatic scenes. Eyes are the doorway to your soul. And so the devil loves to infiltrate what we see. Touch, touching something you shouldn't or someone touching you in a way that they shouldn't. Touch can spark lust or an unholy passion. And many times affairs are started this way because touch can reveal an unmet need. Maybe it is the things that you're listening to. The things that we hear can start the sin of gossip or be used to miscommunicate a hurt or a rejection. Also music that we listen to can bring bad memories of hurt, loss, and betrayal. They can bring about good things, but music can bring about bad things. There's certain things that we hear in, in music that, that bring us back and, and it's just not healthy. There's smell and you might think smell, how could, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I know this, when, when I walk by a freshly cut football field in the fall and the weather starts to change, I just start thinking of football. I just want to hit somebody. That's just, that's just what I do. 
You know, so smell's powerful. I've talked to wrestlers before, and they've said, you know, when I smell wrestling mats, that it just makes me want to relive the thoughts of, of wrestling. And, and I've talked to other wrestlers before. They're like, when I smell those wrestling mats, I think of abuse of, of, from a coach. I think of, of, of having to cut weight and starve myself to, to make weight and the pressures that that put on me. I don't even want to smell that. So smell can be a powerful tool if we're not careful for the enemy. Taste, overindulging in things that we shouldn't be eating or too much of or drinking or too much of. So we have to be really, really careful and set up some safeguards with our senses. Number four, stay away from triggers. Oh, stay away from triggers. Triggers can be anything that has a tendency to send you down the wrong path with your thinking. Websites, social media, food, drink, books, magazines. Certain times of the day or seasons can cause you to trigger. I mean, in AA, they talk to alcoholics, those that are struggling with addiction, and they say, be very careful about around the time of day when you used to drink or the time of week when you used to drink because you're going to have a tendency to want to run back to that. And it's very important to plan for hard holidays, certain dates. If traumatic things have happened to you on certain days, be aware and plan. It's good to just start new traditions sometimes, to start, uh, to start something that you will tend to look forward to during that time instead of what you used to do. And then finally, serve when you serve God by serving others, it takes the focus off of you. It's harder to, to, to think poorly, to sin or mess up if you're spending your time serving God or serving others. And for me, teaching or preparing a service, it keeps me accountable. The last thing I wanna do on Saturday night for Sunday is do something stupid because I know I have to get up and I have to give a message to you and I don't want to do that with a guilty conscience. And it's the same thing for all of us. If, we're, if we know we're getting ready to serve, we want to make sure that we can do that and we can feel, uh, uh, we can feel as if we're not have, have something sinful in our life that we need to get rid of. I had somebody super smart one time, a minister, tell me that ministry needs, that I need ministry way more than ministry needs me. And that's the case. And I can always tell when somebody starts to, to go down the wrong road in their life because one of the things that they give up first is serving God because they feel guilty. They feel like they're not worthy of serving. But that's the time when we need to plug in the most. And if you're not serving, find a place to serve. It'll change your life. So if you'll stand with me as we close this morning, Let's just spend a little time with the God that will give us the power of change. And Lord, I pray right now for every person in this room. I mean, we all know what our issues are. We all know what our struggles are. And truthfully, God, we're sick of them. We're sick of failing in the same way over and over again. And we wanna get rid of this. We wanna get rid of this sin. So I pray in Jesus' name right now, that you would give us the ability to want to, to want to change. Sometimes our want to is, is, is broken. I pray in Jesus' name, you give us a desire to want to try, that we would work these steps. We would submit to you first on a daily basis, and then we would really resist. We would really try. And that, Lord, you would give us favor, give us the strength to be able to get these things out of our life. In Jesus' name, we bind up in evil spirits. We bind up the enemy from trying to tempt us or trying to bring us down this road that we find ourselves on so many times. And Lord, that you would be a lamp unto our feet and you would direct us where we should go and how we should go. We know who we are. We know how we can mess up. But Lord, who we are is not our sin, who we are is who you made us. So help us to embrace that. So Lord, I pray right now that this year would be different, that you would bring about lasting change in each, every, each and every one of us. Help us to get rid of, rid of whatever it is, the gossip, the lust, overspending, 
overeating, pride, jealousy, whatever it is in Jesus' name, bind up those evil spirits, get them out of our life and help us to be able to submit to you and resist the enemy and have success. Give us successes, God. Give us wins. Let, let wins manifest in every one of our personal lives. The part of our lives, who we are when no one's looking, give us victories, God. And you'll get the praise for it. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for giving and for forgiving us of our sins because we need that. We need it bad. We thank you for giving it to us. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't miss next week. Reframe contentment. Make sure you come back next Sunday and invite a friend. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.